In Jeremiah 19, verse 2, he says, Now go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom. That's Gehenna or Hinnom. It's pronounced both ways. Go out to the valley of Hinnom or Gehenna. I don't know. This, my Bible says hell. I don't know if yours says hell or what. But, it, it's, but if it was consistent, it would say hell because it's the same word, same place. Same place Jesus just mentioned there in Matthew 23. It's the exact same, same word. Go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the Potsherd Gate, and proclaim there the words that I'm going to tell you. And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears it, his ears will tingle. Because they've forsaken me and they made this an alien place, because they burned incense in it to other gods whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known. And they filled this place with the blood of the innocents. That's what Jesus just said in Matthew 23. What Jeremiah prophesied way back then was exactly what Jesus was, was, was repeating right then. And he was saying, now the time is here. It's no longer this long future thing. It's no longer something that's way out there in the future somewhere with some unknown Messiah coming. He says, I'm here. This is the generation. This destruction that God spoke of is about to happen. Verse 8. He says, I will make this city desolate. And a hissing. What did Jesus say in Matthew 23? Your house shall be made desolate. All these things will come on this generation. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and they'll hiss because of all of its plagues. And I'll cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. Josephus said in, in, in that siege of Jerusalem from March to August of the year 70 that mothers actually ate their own sons. They were starving so bad. Jesus said it would happen. He said, I'm going to turn family against family, friend against friend. He said, everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege, in the siege, the surrounding, and in the desperation with which their enemies and those who seek their lives will drive them to despair. I mean, look up the works of Flavius Josephus and the destruction of Jerusalem. You will see. I mean, it was exactly described like the Old Testament prophets said it would be. Verse 11 says, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, even so, I'm going to break this people in this city as one who breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in Tophet. Tophet is Gehenna. It's the same place. Just another name. Tophet until there is no place left to bury. Thus I will do unto this place, says the Lord and its inhabitants. I'll make this city like Tophet or like Gehenna. I'm going to burn the whole thing. Now, you say, why would God do that? Jesus came on the cross and all that forgiveness and all that stuff. This was all a, 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 a prophecy that was happened. Hebrews says that the old was ready to vanish away to make way for the new. Hebrews chapter 8. God did not leave. And he promised. We'll look at other ones. He said, I won't leave root or trunk. Nothing standing. Because... There would be much, if, if Jesus had just, they would just say it was a secret thing. If the, the Jewish religion, what happened on that day, it was destroyed for all intents and purposes. Now there is a Jewish religion that carried on, but it is nothing, nothing that resembles hardly at all what they had before. There's no temple, and there won't be. 
There's no sacrifice. There's not those rituals of sacrifice and the rituals of the temple and all those, all those things are all gone. Basically, what the Jews have is a total different thing, a rabbinical thing where it's basically teaching. They get together in synagogues and they teach and basically it's do good, be good enough, be good enough to be worthy of the good place in the afterlife. Most of them have adopted that. But it's not singular. They all have different teachings. Some believe in afterlife. Some don't. Some believe in a, in a forever hell. Some don't. Some, a, a, a big teaching in the Jewish religion is that there is a, a, a burning, a tormenting hell, but it only lasts for 12 months. So you have all these different things. But, but it's just a teaching thing. All, all, all the sacraments, all the rituals, the temple, the worship, the things, of the, all that stuff was literally destroyed. And, and, and the Lord showed that it will never rise up again. Why? Because he made a new temple. He did away with the old. This was the final sign. What will be the sign? And this was it, that this whole thing was gone forever. Now there's a new. And that's what the whole thing was, because he says God will be, that, will be that dwelling place. We became the dwelling place of God. God's word continued on with the new covenant, with the new temple. Know ye not that you are that temple. Hebrews says he did away with the old to establish, to establish the new. And in the establishing of the new, a big part of that was totally wiping out that old. My idea of it is, I don't, no matter how people try, that temple will not be restored again because the temple has already been restored. God said that house would be left gen- desolate to all the generations. Look, with me, look, look at another verse of scripture here. Uh, look at Joel chapter 2. This is what Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost. Peter quoted this about the spirit being poured out and he said, this is that. Then he went on and he said, and I'm going to show, and, and, and notice, all these writings in the New Testament, they all were written before 70 A.D., before this prophecy was fulfilled. But they all knew it was coming. When you read this, you'll, there'll be so many instances in the, Old, in the New Testament where you'll see Paul will make reference to it. Peter definitely makes reference to it. John makes reference to it, to this thing that they knew was coming simply because Jesus, who rose from the dead, said it was going to come. So there was still this thing that they were, they were looking for, and they were warning people about it and doing all they could to get, to get people um, to believe in it. <clears throat> and and uh, when Peter was quoting it, he quoted from Joel, and he said, He will pour out his spirit on our sons and daughters, etc. And he said, And he said, And it will come to pass in the last days that I will show signs in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse one, and that's what happened on that day. The history writings of Flavius Josephus tell, describe it that very way. And he was and Josephus wasn't a Christian. He was he had no Christian agenda in this to try to prove these things. Verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. Now, this, I used to have so much trouble. I would read this because he says the day of the Lord is coming. And I would read these verses. Isaiah would say, and he says, it's a day of darkness, not a day of gladness. And I'm like, what? So I would try to make it fit somehow. But he says, 
The day of the Lord is coming. It's at hand. It's a day of darkness and gloominess. It's a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people are coming, great and strong. The likes of whom has, there has never been, nor will there ever be such after them. For even at, forever, after many suge, uh, successive generations, there will not be any after them for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them. When you read the writings of that day that happened, it was such an amazing thing because the writer, uh, the historian writes and he says, it was such a beautiful place. He said, it, was like gar- it was like a garden. He said, he said, there were all these olive trees or olive groves and all these. He said, such a beautiful place just was destroyed and burned and wiped out in one day. He said, the land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them it's a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing will escape them. Look at verse 5. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a people strong, like a strong people set in battle array. Verse 11. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Who did endure that day? The ones who believed what Jesus said. Go with me to um, Malachi chapter 4. See, before I knew all of this history, I was so confused, I thought... The day of the Lord. I and so I, I would say, well, that just means for some people. Well, it was that, it was that way then. And, 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 and you can apply this now. And if you want to you know, apply it to, 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 to a, a now or a future thing, I don't have a lot of problem with that. But I just want us to know that there really was something that happened. There really was a literal thing. Um, that, so we don't have to try to make it say something else necessarily. There really was something literal that he was talking about that was coming, and it literally did. I mean, this whole, this, that day, it's a, it's a magnanimous, horrible day in history. Now, Hitler, Hitler killed a lot of Jews over a period of time, killed more than them, this many, but, but, but God said, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, said there will never be a day, there's never been a day like that, and there will never be a day like that after. In the book of Revelation, he said, speaking of Babylon, which I believe is that same thing. It's the city where the Lord was crucified, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt. And said, Babylon the great has fallen. And in one day, with great violence, you shall be brought down. And she was. And see, here's why I'm doing this. Because... You need to understand, because there's so much judgment that's spoken of here, I want you to understand that there was a judgment that happened then that they were speaking of. So you don't get confused about something hanging over your head. So you don't get confused about a fear of, 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 of eternal damnation for you, that there, was, there were some things that were literally being spoken that anybody at that time would have understood or could have understood. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, Truth has no agenda. Another Old Testament prophet. For behold, the day is coming. Burning like an oven. Can you get the picture of that, what happened that day? There's never been a day that burned like an oven like that day. 
And all the proud, yes, all that do wickedly will be stubble because the day that's coming will burn them up. It literally, literally burned them up. Literally. Says the Lord of hosts. And it will leave them neither root nor branch. That religion has never recovered. That system of the law has never recovered. That system of the knowledge of good and evil that, that, it, that it was built on has never recovered. When, when, when John the Baptist said, now that the Lamb of God has come, the axe is laid to the root of the tree, he meant it. It would not leave root nor branch. And 2,000 years later, it still has not revived. Because that old was forever wiped off the earth that he would establish the new. I mean, when you see that, it's like, it makes it a lot easier to rightly divide this word. Oh, my goodness, that whole system was done away with. It was purged from the earth. It'll never rise up again. It'll never have the power that it had Back in those days, because all power, authority, glory, and honor be to him is where it all started going then, to Jesus. Are y'all hearing anything? He says, it'll leave them neither root nor branch, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings, and you will go out, and you will grow fat like stall-fed calves. What happened? They went out. (laughs) And what's happened? They've been growing ever since. And we're a part of that growth. And it's growing every day. For of the increase of his government, not that old, the increase of his government, there will be no end. And then the increase of peace, there will be no end. Verse 5, he says, watch this. He says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Hmm. In Matthew 11, Jesus was teaching and the disciples say, okay, wait a minute. Why do the scribes say that Elijah must first come? Because before this day happens, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Elijah's got to come. Jesus said, I say unto you, he did. Elijah came. Get ready. (laughs) Elijah came and they did to him whatever they wanted to. The disciples went away and they knew that he was speaking of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the forerunner, was the one that opened that door to this generation. And all these things that the prophets prophesied, Jesus said, all these things must come to pass. Not one word of the law must be unfulfilled. Wow. Wow. Go to 2 Peter 3. You see, I think what what, what happens is this clears the way for you to live in your new heaven, new earth, where righteousness dwells. Look at what Peter says about that. 2 Peter 3. See, some of you, get your eyes are getting bright, and you're like, oh, I get it. And some of you are going, hmm, okay, and that's all good. 
But truth has no agenda. We've got to understand this Bible. This has been the greatest hindrance to people's Christian lives is they've taken these sound bites and they've either made it into a doctrine or, or made it a big part of a doctrine that isn't quite confusing. I remember when I, when, you know, back in the mid-90s, I was reading the book of, I was trying to read the book of Revelation and it wasn't making sense to me and everybody had taught this certain thing about it. And they said, the book of Revelation, it's a story, and what's going to happen is there's going to be this political figure, and, and he's going to rise up, and, and he's going to create a one-world government, and, and all this stuff, and the mark of the beast, and, and, you won't, and you won't be able to buy and sell, and, and all these things. And, and it said all these things that were going to come, and I thought, so many of these things like, seem like such a reach, and it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's clear that it says that in this, but, but I said, Lord, I, I put my Bible on the table, on the coffee table, and I sat on the couch, and I said, Lord... I know how everybody teaches this, and I don't have a better explanation. I don't, I don't know what it says, but, you know, I assume they're right, but I just, why is it, and I, and, I, and, I, and I had a problem with this. I just said, God, why is it that when I hear them teach those things about end time, book, why is it that I don't get that same feeling of revelation like I do when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why is it that I just don't get that, aha, yes, amen. Why don't I get that yes and amen from my spirit? All I get is a, okay. <laughs> and so I said, you said, Lord, these were my words. I said, you said that if any man lacks wisdom, I can ask you. So I'm asking you to give me understanding. Show me this book. And I, I set the book on that table and I just got quiet for a few moments. And I looked at the book, expecting God to show me something in it. And immediately I looked at the verse, first verse and it said, The revelation of Jesus Christ. The unveiling or, or the appearing or the coming. It's the word that's used when the disciples said, What will be the sign? The, the, what, will be the, what will be the sign? Uh, when will these things be and what will be the, the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he ended that whole age with this thing we're talking about. And so understand something about the coming. Understand that Jesus came. Understand that Jesus came in, uh, um, in bodily form when he was born of a virgin. Understand that Jesus came to us to live in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Understand that he came to Jerusalem in judgment in 70 AD. Understand that there were different comings there. And so, so, <laughs> so he says, verse 2, So be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Look at verse 7. He says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 9. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord. What did Malachi call it? The day of the Lord. What did Jeremiah call it? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Heavens is uranos. It can mean high, lofty, the dwelling place of God. The heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it 
will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? In holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth in which, what? In which righteousness dwells. What happened with with this whole thing with Jesus? He made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. This whole New Testament, this revelation of, we see this word righteousness, 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 righteousness. Because in this place that we are in, in him, we have righteousness dwells. Now what happened literally in that day? The elements were literally dissolved. The, the whole, the, 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 read the history of it. Titus actually, most, most people say he didn't actually want to burn the temple. He wanted to save it and make it a Roman, a Roman temple. But as they were sacking the city and burning the city, the, the temple actually caught on fire. So it, it all was destroyed and all the elements, the fire. Think of this fire that's burned, this whole city on fire. And, and, and Josephus describing it that, the, that the, the, the sky was just black and the, the moon was just, was, uh, the sun and the moon could not be seen. The sun was as black as sackcloth, if you will. The moon was red as blood. It was totally smoke just covered the sky. And, and, and it was such a, such a burning destruction. And he says, and, and Peter said, all of this stuff is going to be dissolved. All these things are going to be gone. And the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. And seeing that these things are, are, are happening, what kind of people should we be in our conduct? And that's what he says in the first letter that he wrote there. He says, see that you love one another fervently. Don't go back into the fleshly lust, all the, the pressure and all that. Seeing that all these things are happening. We look forward to the new where righteousness dwells. Are y'all seeing this? He says, he says, um, go with me to Revelation 18 and we'll wrap this up. And there's other things, of course, you can always look at with this. But to see this thing, see, when when you look at, Clarity. When you look at scripture with clarity like this, it makes it not hard to discern and to understand it. And all many of the things that were once confusing to you can become very clear by just knowing context. Revelation 18. Verse two. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great has fallen, is fallen. And has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Verse 4, I heard another voice out of heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Because her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Verse 8, therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Verse 10 says, And standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city, Babylon, that great city, for one, in one hour your judgment has come. Look at ver, verse uh, 16, what it says about this city. 
For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. You've given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another voice from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and, and, and his kingdoms became full of dark, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Look at verse 19. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Now, here's what literally happened in that siege of Jerusalem. A civil war broke out inside the city while, Roman, while the Roman Titus's armies were surrounding them. There were three leadership factions going on. There was John of Giscal, who led the Judean free government. And, and then there was uh, Eleazar ben Simon, who led the radicals, the zealots, who wanted no compromise, no, 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 no negotiation. John was willing to have negotiation. Then you, uh, then you had... Then you had another faction, which was led by Simon ben Giora. And they began fighting among themselves. And as they were fighting, actually, John's group, they killed Simon ben Giora, excuse me, Eleazar ben Simon. They killed him. And so then, so then Simon ben Giora joined up with John. And they became one. But there was a civil war. They called it a literal civil war. And there was killing and slaughter going on inside each other, uh, in, inside the city. But that city was divided into three parts. And John had the outer ramparts of the wall where they were defending that. And Simon ben Elie, ben Elie, excuse me, Eleazar ben Simon, who led the zealots, they were all about protecting the temple. So they all, they all holed up in the temple and they gathered there uh, uh, to protect, protect that last um, bastion there. But anyway, it was, they all had their different parts of it. And here it says the city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the fierceness of his wrath. And when you see this, it was, there again, it was prophesied that it would come. Look at verse 11, and we'll stop there. Or excuse me, Revelation chapter 11, and we'll stop there. They use these spiritual names to describe Jerusalem in these letters. In one place, remember, it says that in Hebrews, Paul said, um, the Jerusalem that now is corresponds to Mount Sinai. But the new one is Mount Zion. Here in Revelation, verse 11, verse 8. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Jesus looked over him and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets. There's other verses that come to mind. One in Revelation I just thought of where he says, where it says the saints, those who were martyred for their faith, they said, how long, Lord, how long until we are justified to, you know, of the, of the shedding of our blood? Jesus said, all the blood of the martyrs shall be put on you. Do you remember when Pilate held court with Jesus and, uh, you know, interviewed him? 
for an indictment. And he, after he talks to Jesus, he brings him out and he says, I find no fault with this man. <laughs> he tried to get Jesus to admit he'd done something wrong. He said, are you, are you the king of the Jews? And he says, my kingdom's not of this world. And he's like, oh. <laughs> so he's not doing what they say he's doing. So he brings him out and he says, I find no fault with this man. And they said, crucify him. He says, behold your king. <laughs> and they said, crucify him. And they said, and, and Pilate washed his hands of his blood. He, said, he, he washed his hands of the blood. He said, I'm not, I'm washing my hands of this innocent man. And they said, let his blood be upon us and on our children. <clears throat> and it was a horrible thing. What we're describing here today is not pretty at all. But the way God described it was saying it's not going to be pretty. And so Jesus told them. And he, many believed him. And all those who believed him went on and established the church that we're a part of. And you also notice in the other writings here, look why John writing in, in, in Revelation, it was a warning to the churches. What Paul said in Hebrews was a warning. What Peter was writing was a warning. And it happened. It's not happening tomorrow. It happened then. And all of that fire that burned, burned on that day. Stand up. Revelation 20 kind of wraps the whole thing up about the whole future thing with us. And he said there was a lake of fire. The lake of fire is something Dante's Inferno took and made it, but he says plainly the lake of fire is where death and hell are cast into. <laughs> death and the grave were cast into that fire. And read your Bible. Just, just, just read it. And, and also even there, when you read that whole thing, talking about the elements and, and all the people and all that, and it and, 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 and even says, and whosoever... Whosoever was not written in that book will be cast into that lake of fire. That word can also look at just as it's a it's a word tis, T-I-S in the in, in the Greek. It's also the word whatsoever. Everything. Death, hell, all of it. Cast in. What do we have now? Everlasting life. What do we have now? There's a new heaven and new earth, so to speak, where righteousness dwells. How y'all doing? Did I hit you with a load today? <laughs> and look at it. And, and, and look at it and say, say, well, Rick just, he had no idea what he's talking about. That's, that's, that's fine. That's, that's, that's okay. But just, it'll be part of your information. And I don't know everything about everything. I don't know about everything about what's going to happen tomorrow and in the future and all that stuff. But I know we're in a place where righteousness dwells. I know we're in a place where every promise that God ever made, the Bible says, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so all that promise of even all that dark and, and, and horrible day of burning that would come was fulfilled also in that. Interesting. Father, I thank you for Jesus today. 
I thank you, Father, for the gift of righteousness, the gift of holiness, the gift of eternal life. I thank you, Father, for the gift of perfection through Christ. We thank you for new life, and we thank you for that eternal life today. We thank you for that which abides in us, and we thank you for making us his, your temple. We thank you, Father, that you'll, that you'll never be closer than you are now. You abide within us. And you love us from the inside. And you guide us from the inside. And we give you all praise right now for that life, and we thank you that it manifests in joy and in healing and everlasting life in every situation. We thank you for blessing everybody in their situations, everybody in their trials in this life. We thank you, Father, that they love pure and fervently, that they stick close to you and they sanctify themselves to you and commit them unto you as a faithful creator. We thank you, Father, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.